welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to the final episode of season two of the Dr. Karina Smith podcast. Thank you so much for listening to all these episodes and coming along on this ride with me. If you've enjoyed this season, it would be so helpful and so meaningful for you to give the show a rating, tell a friend about the show, share it on your socials. Every time we spread the message, we get more of these episodes to a wider audience and it helps the podcast out a lot. It's been a great season. We are finishing up the season with an amazing conversation with Kendall Sati. Kendall has been my own personal bodywork connoisseur for the last couple of years, and she really knows her stuff. I was laying on her table one day and contemplating how when I'm working with patients and feeling the pulses, I'm using this tiny amount of space to gather information. And when Kendall is using the whole body with her hands and feeling things out, she is gathering information that way. And it got me thinking about this idea of the whole body is the pulse. And that's our conversation today. Thank you so much for joining me for all these episodes. We will return sometime next year, but until then, enjoy the show and thank you so much. Hi, Kendall. Hi, Karina. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. I love these podcasts always start with like little polite questions <laughs> and then we just get into it. Deep dive. Um, Deep dive, yeah, wherever it goes. Uh, for those of you listening and watching, Kendall has pretty much been um, taking care of my body <laughs> for I think two years now. Has it been two years? It's been a while. Maybe even a little bit more. Maybe even a little bit more, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's been such an incredible journey. And um, sometimes when I'm laying on the table, I just have these insightful thoughts and I sort of lay yin yoga or I lay Chinese medicine concepts into what I feel like uh, is being engaged with with my tissues. And then, yeah, I always have these ideas and I say to Kendall, oh, we should talk about this and we should talk about that. (laughs) We're going to do that today. Um, But I thought first it'd be great to hear your journey because you've been on a huge journey of study and Mm -hmm. your passion and where you are now. And yeah, tell us a little bit about you, Kendall. Absolutely. So I have been a remedial massage therapist for about 10 years now. Um, That started in Perth um, and it's something that I fell into. And as soon as I fell into it, I knew that it was my thing that I was doing doing what I was meant to do um and so I was doing that for a little while and then I knew that I wanted to give more I knew that I could do more I wanted to be able to offer more I could feel more and so I I floated a few ideas over a period of time of what that might look like what I wanted to do and that ended with moving to Melbourne to study osteopathy Mm um which was five years full-time um and uh through through the whole pandemic and all of those joys so um a tricky time but uh and a a pretty amazing time with everything that I learned um the people that I met and um yeah the the journey was pretty cool um 
and now I'm working as an osteopath and a remedial massage therapist as well. So in the tiny little infancy of my osteo career, but being able to sort of use my use my many years of touching bodies and mm. you know um, that sort of experience to to keep on learning. Yeah, so much learning. I remember you saying at one point um, just what an advantage it was when you were studying osteopathy to have had that many years under your belt and that you had such a familiarity with not just like textbooking mm-hmm. muscles or tissues in the body, like you had such a felt sense of being able to find them and feel them and that, that clinical experience can't really be substituted for just reading books. Absolutely not. No, and it's something that I am grateful for every day. And I, I sort of, I um, like growing on that from from this starting point rather than just yeah from a textbook and fresh out of uni. Um, you know, everyone starts somewhere, and I was you know there a while ago. But sort of having that um, experience um, and that those I don't know I guess palpation skills um, already. Um, yeah, it's a yeah a, a, a big advantage and something I. I really love mm. Well, and those those palpation skills were definitely something that sparked lots of ideas in my head about conversation because I guess for us in Chinese medicine, mm-hmm. whilst we are encouraged to palpate channels and we are encouraged to feel tissue, a lot of what we are training to do is feeling pulses, which I'm, I'm holding up my wrist to the screen and placing my fingers on the pulse. We're sort of trained to feel into what, what initially is a very minute space, but then becomes this universe of discovery with our fingertips. And mm-hmm. it's such a conversation that happens with the body with touch and what you're able to ascertain. And one of the thoughts I had was that the whole body is the pulse. Yeah. And when I could feel you uncovering things or discovering things or releasing things, I was like, that's exactly what Kendall's doing. She's having a conversation with my body where mm-hmm. I don't have to be in there intellectualizing what's happened. There's, there's no, I can't tell any lies about what's going on. There's a real honesty about the touch. And I wonder if you might speak to that a little bit. Absolutely. And that's your, your spot on exactly what you felt is what I'm doing. And I do that sort of from as soon as someone is on the table in front of me, just before I, you know, we have a conversation before you're on the table and we as you know and we have an idea about what we might want to work on or what I might find but as soon as I sort of methodically start feeling through the tissues I'm yeah I'm having a conversation with the tissues and with the the body to to see you know what sort of um what sort of areas I might feel are um are sort of causing the things that we spoke about in that conversation before we get on the table. So I'm feeling for different things like, you know, taut, taut sort of bands or sticky sort of tissue or, you know, something that might feel a little, you know, tight but harder than, you know, than what I might expect, you know, in, in a muscle tissue or, you know, there might be, you um, areas that are colder or areas that are hotter or you know mm-hmm. and I like to to gently move you know move the person on the table and then from that I'm getting what the joints are doing so is there a, you know as I'm moving through here like is the is the sacrum moving you know 
the same way that the thoracic is or in, you know, in a way that I would expect to find or is there something that it's just not moving or if I'm moving up through the upper body, are the legs sort of moving or is there a, a disconnect there? And then building on that, getting into the treatment to to treat what I just found from that sort of assessment and that conversation. Mm. Oh, I love that. And I, I wondered how easy it would be for you to put that into words because I think sometimes when you have a felt sense that communicates with the body, it's really difficult to put terminology to it because, yeah, it's, 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 it seems really um, simplified to describe a feeling that you get yes. with your hands. Yeah, yeah. And what I and I I think over time I've gotten better at that because I try to explain it to the person on the table as well, especially if if I think that's going to benefit them to yeah. so they know what I'm doing, what I'm feeling. Or sometimes people ask, you know, they ask what I'm, you know, what what I'm what I'm feeling or what I've found or what what their body is telling um telling me. Mm. So um, yeah. yeah, getting getting used to sort of um, yeah putting it into into words. Well, it's really curious because sometimes I can I can sense that you're gathering a great amount of information, but the touch that you're you're placing on certain tissues is really really light. Yes. So it's not yeah. like you're digging down and feeling in for deep knotty, to for lack of a better word, tissue. Sometimes it's yep. really really light. And I yep. imagine it might be something like, okay, well, how well is the skin moving away from that first layer of tissue or is it really sticky up at this superficial layer? And if it is, you know, I've noticed that you will often go somewhere quite far away from that place yes. to then begin <laughs> the process of like clearing, <laughs> clearing yes. and releasing. Yes. Yep, absolutely. Mm. And that's, you know, in that initial sort of touch that really is quite light, it's sometimes it's even skin texture you know it's skin texture or it's as i mentioned before temperature or um yeah and then it's you know how the skin's moving over the fascia and then you know gradually easing into into that touch to gather more information or i can yet yeah, just get what i need from that place in initially and then move yeah somewhere completely different and, mm. and stick my elbow in um, yeah yeah yeah, I love that. And so could you give us a couple of um, examples maybe? I know you already have, you know, hot and cold, how, mm -hmm. how, like skin texture or tight bands through the tissue, but mm -hmm. are there any other examples of kind of like what's a sort of um, what's a general uh, entry point diagnostic sweep that you might do of the body before you go, okay, let's, let's go to the next layer and start working? Yeah. So yeah it'll be it'll be sort of those things that skin texture temperature and then you know skin skin movement over the fascia see how that's sort of feeling um and then probably the biggest one for me and the one that i um get a lot of information for is that gentle rocking that i do so it's like a a sort of rocking sometimes i might start at the legs and and work my way up the other way or start through the torso and then work down the other way and it's a gentle rocking to see how the joints are moving or how yeah how the joints are moving and interaction that interaction with each other so if mm. i'm you know and what i'm doing is i'm doing that it's a, even a visual thing more than a um a feeling um to see if things are moving as I would expect them 
to move from sort of creating that movement because if there's no movement just say you know down in that right ankle from moving you know through the hips then there's something either in the hip or potentially down through that limb that is causing a a disconnect in the movement mm. so then I'll sort of dig in a little bit deeper and then yeah maybe it maybe is a joint that isn't moving maybe it's a tight tight muscle or you know something there that we need to get those tissues moving um to to create that the movement that we would expect or that we sort of want to get Mm. yeah when i hear you say that it makes me think uh from a chinese medicine lens it's almost like you're kind of doing a quick well it's not always quick but you're doing a an assessment of where the blockages are in the body or where there's stagnation which is a word that we would use because where there's stagnation, chi isn't going to flow. So you're going to have either pain in those places or mm-hmm. dull ache in those places. And then mm-hmm. once that's freed up, then energy can actually circulate properly again through the body. 100%. Yeah, very, yeah. very similar. Yeah. There's yeah. a concept that's talked about a lot in yin yoga, and I, I, I don't think it's exclusive to yin, but yin teachers will use it, and mm-hmm. they call it the belt. The and what's the melt m-e-l-t yeah (laughs) and it's this idea of you know coming into a yin yoga posture which if you're listening to this and you don't know what yin yoga is it's um kind of coming into a a yoga posture that's fairly supported Mm -hmm. with the intention of kind of stimulating or stretching a certain tissue of the body a region of tissue and the melt is this moment where you feel a sense of give like it suddenly goes mm-hmm. oh, and it lets go mm-hmm. sometimes it doesn't but that moment is often sort of um a quantifiable moment where you could say okay that's enough time in the shape like you could just measure it on that yes. and i have had other teachers sort of talk about that same giving or that same yielding can happen from the pressure of touch as well mm-hmm. yeah yep. and so is that what's happening in a session for you hundred percent and I one of my favorite things that happens is when the person on the table acknowledges that as well and they get that oh or did you feel it it's yeah it's I I like that the the melt because that's exactly so I will sort of target a certain area to get that sort of change in the tissues that I'm working on whether it be soft tissue or a joint or something like that to get that Mm. moment that you know that it feels like an exhale it feels like a like a giving in like a yeah like a melt and then retest and see what change it has created um and then find the next point that um that I want to target to for that beautiful because you don't know sometimes how much holding or how much blockage there is in say the upper traps or the QLs (laughs) or all these other places where things just go clank until somebody applies some intention like intention-based pressure and you're like whoa what's uh what's going on there yes (laughs) fell or quads or yeah those really gnarly places yes yeah Mm. and they'll be and yeah good point because there will often be um often be more than one contributing to a particular 
you know a particular sort of whether it be condition or you know area that I'm that I'm focusing on or or working on and yeah sometimes sort of getting that combination of them and getting that right for you know whether it be sort of above or below or you know sort of um you know anterior or posterior or you know getting getting that little combination of getting all those spots to sort of yeah get that side mm. sort of effect yeah and so what does tissue feel like when it's inflamed? Yeah. So um, it can, inflammation can present in a few different ways. One, the most common would be heat um, or puffiness. You can actually, you know, there's the there's swelling there. Um, so like excess fluid where you can actually sort of move it around you can actually see that um it can be red um but sometimes it can feel especially sort of in more tenderness sort of areas or like junctions where you know um like a, a bigger joint let's say for instance a hip you know it can feel more gritty and sticky um, where, you know, just say if there's a, you know, a hard end feel, just say if I'm sort of flexing someone's hip and, you know, there's that hard end feel and it doesn't want to go and that's more bone on bone, then that's something different. But if it's quite like spongy and, you know, the the movement is, there isn't quite that range or that movement that you would expect or that you'd want, but it it's not like a, a, bl- a block, you know, like mm. a hard bony end feel. But um. It's it's interesting because it can inflammation can really feel quite different depending on person to person. Um, more acute inflammation. This is probably a good way to explain it. The more acute inflammation will feel that you know red, hot, puffy. But if mm. it's something a little bit more chronically inflamed, it'll feel um, yeah more gritty and it'll sort of have more more impact on the movement. I've heard Andy describe it like a boggy sensation, mm-hmm. like yep. muddy, maybe not quite sticky, but you can feel that the fluid that's there is pathological fluid, like it's moved out of where it should be and it's just kind of sitting in these chambers of, yeah, it's like stagnant water in the tissue. Yes, yeah. Yeah, mm. that's, yeah, really boggy, really, yeah, like quite just, I don't know, um, not, swamp. not what you want. <laughs> yeah, like real swampy, exactly. Which is totally different to this idea of tissues being hydrated, right? Because I'd, I'd, I'd love to I'd love to talk mm-hmm. about this with you too because we've had some great mm-hmm. conversations about hydration and mm-hmm. diet and lifestyle and different factors that can affect tissue and make it make it more pliable and more agreeable to the treatment and just really like, no, nah, I'm not doing I'm not doing what you're suggesting today. And so I guess that sort of more more sort of acute, fluidy, boggy feeling mm-hmm. when that gets really long term, I imagine it it's almost that it's like dried out, that grittiness. Would yeah, you absolutely. Like I I like to describe it as rubbery. Mm. Like dehydrated tissue, like dried out, but yeah, like rubbery. Like you know, it doesn't it doesn't move in a really nice, like there's no flow there of, you know, of the um, of the fluid in the tissue. But it feel, like sometimes it'll move, but it just feels like 
there's no it's not a productive movement mm. it's really rubbery um yeah that's sort of what I that's when I'm feeling really dehydrated tissue I or tissue that I know is not going to change the way that would want it to change yeah it just feels mm. the tissues feel really rubbery and how do you engage in conversation with your patients about hydration and the effect on their bodies and what kind of things come up in conversation? Um, probably a, an entry point to that and something that I find a little bit more um, to just start the conversation is literally just asking something something as simple as, you know, are you, you, know, are you drinking much water at the moment? Uh, yeah. you know, just as as simple as that, because you know some people just you know won't won't even be you know hydrating at, at the simplest level, um, mm. you know. And in terms of um, advice that I that I give around that, interestingly though, actually just to backtrack, sometimes I find that it can be people are drinking too much water and they're not having enough salt in the diet like they're not having you know they don't have the the um you know the availability for their body to actually take in that water because they're, and they're like they'll say to me well I'm, I'm drinking heaps of water and then it's a conversation about well how much and you know and mm. what what are you doing and then they'll be like wow like you're probably drinking so much water that your that your tissues are dehydrated um and then it's more of a conversation about you know nutrition and adequate salts and and minerals and things like that but um i guess the conversation around hydration um would start quite simply in 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 actually hydrating but since we have been speaking a little bit more over the last little while i'll often ask about about coffee as well you know and things that they could be doing or you know having that might be contributing to dehydrating their body um, in in other ways not just the amount of you know as simple as how much water they're drinking do you find i find i wonder if you find it too that often mm. often the coffee conversation goes something like yeah i only have two coffees a day or i only have three coffees a day but i have three liters of water yeah 100 <laughs> percent. and as if you know like and i i get it and I'm kind of becoming the, the coffee killjoy lady because I've been talking about it so much. But yeah. to pull all that fluid out and then put water in, it doesn't exactly equate to tissues getting the nutrition. And just like you say, this has been a brain, um, like a brain explosion for me, mm. just appreciating that water is a cleaner, like water isn't necessarily on its own going to go into cells it needs to be carried in with salts and it needs to be carried in with minerality. So yeah, if people are on a really low calorie diet or they've got a real aversion to salt because they think salt is bad, but they're drinking two or three liters of water a day, the kidneys are just going to be working really hard. They're going to be peeing all of that out and exactly. they might feel way more dry and thirsty for doing that. For doing that. Exactly. And that's what I find probably the, um, the more, education I can sort of give because you know if someone comes in and you're like oh you know have you been drinking much water or you know what's your hydration like or you know something like that and if it's like oh no I you know I'm, I don't drink any water it's like okay well that's how we can address that but then if it's like oh no well I well I am mm. um or <laughs> there's been a few instances where it's like oh I don't drink water but I drink a lot of tea 
it's like, oh, <laughs> well, it's much the same as in the coffee conversation. But yeah. looking at the whole picture about what um, what is going into their body to then, you know, why why are the tissues feeling like this? Um, um, and I guess in in that area, I I will give suggestions and you know some advice and some lifestyle advice and everything like that but if it's something a little bit more um more in depth then what I'll do is I'll I'll sort of find someone who'll be able to help in that area a little bit more like refer off and then once those sort of things are settled the difference in tissue can be phenomenal and then the changes that we get with working with you know with soft tissue um and joints is is can just be like day and night. Mm, yeah, hundred um, percent. I'll share that. You know, one of those coffee conversations with patients was with me. <laughs> when I was drinking two, sometimes three coffees a day, and I came in once for a session with Kendall, and sort of a bit of perplexion in the room. Like, what's been going on? Everything feels really unhappy today, and oh. I on that and I was like oh actually yeah I've really hit the wall and so strange that when you go down you try and stimulate more and then you dig yourself into an even deeper hole and as I realized that things had progressively felt even more gritty and sticky in my body from mm -hmm. upping my coffee from two to three a day mm -hmm. and then I went through a period where I just dropped back to one and I came in and you were feeling things and you were like, I don't know what you've done, but yeah. things feel very different. different, very different. And I was like, oh, wow. So it's not just a cut back on coffee and support your adrenals and get better sleep. It's, it's a whole body effect. And Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that really inspired yeah. me to, you know, just keep working towards changing the habits. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what I love about that as well is, um, I don't know, I guess it, uh, it, I guess it helps to build that relationship with someone. If you can like sort of ask them what they've done or what has changed just by touching their body, I'd, you know, cause we didn't have that conversation before you were on the mm -hmm. table and I was just, you know, there, there's something different here. There's something changed. And then, you know, instantly you were like, well, I've just, you know, I've, this is what I have changed. And to be able to, you know, know how much of a difference that has made without you even telling me that, it's sort mm. of, it's one of those moments that can, you know, that can, it really helps to create create that trust between, you know, um, the person on the table and, and the person treating, but also just really gives you that sort of, I don't know, that awareness or that little aha moment, like, oh, wow, what I'm doing is actually making a real difference to you know to benefit the treatment that I'm doing in this room as well um so it's those little things that sort of just those you know that picking up on those little things and having that conversation with someone's body can tell you you know a lot yeah especially when people are living in niggly chronic pain for mm -hmm. a really really long time and they sort of just come to the conclusion yeah. that that's their body and they have to live with it mm. and that's not necessarily true and it might just be a change in your nutrition even though it sounds really simplistic mm. a change in your nutrition could be enormous for the changes in your tissues huge huge yeah. and you know even 
um, you know, not entirely related to hydration, but things, um, you know, like inflammation, if people are, if there's having a really high gluten diet and they're prone to more, you know, um, more inflammation and, and systemic inflammation and then sort of cutting down on, you know, on those sort of um, taking those things in and the way that that can change, can mm. change tissue as well. Um, can, yeah, just yeah. there's lots of, lots of different little changes that you can sort of make sort of quite broadly that have a really big difference to, to your tissues mm. and the way they respond. Well, I'd say for myself, gluten and refined sugar Mm-hmm. instantly the next day I will I will notice that feeling of fluid being pulled out of my tissues and I'm spongier it's almost overnight yeah um, and to me I just I just I just look at that and go I'm inflamed yeah and then whether I change my movement diet or not if I take gluten and sugar out of my diet it's almost like my the whole front of my belly just flattens Wow. Within a week or two, which just tells me how much extra fluid is being held in places where it doesn't need to be. Yeah. And in Chinese medicine, we've got a really good explanation for that because whenever there's whenever there's heat in the body, heat accumulating in the body, that's very dangerous. And so what the body will do to try and cool that down is send dampness to that fluid. And yep. so I think that's why with inflammation you often see a lot of fluid accumulation as well yeah because it's like just trying to cool it down and um, one of the best examples that I can think of is this is sort of something my teacher Anne Cecil Sturman explained is that you know when we think about atherosclerosis and there's these you know this plaque this cholesterol that's lining the insides of arteries that mm-hmm the the plaque is actually there as a form of damp dampness in the body that's come and pooling and collecting there to try and quench the heat that's in the blood and the heat that's in the blood vessels to try and not inflame the heart yeah which is not necessarily how western medicine looks at it they just see the evidence of that plaque and 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 think that that plaque equates to risks of heart disease but the plaque might actually be there to try and give someone more time <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Which I think is fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I had a story that I wanted to share that relates to what you said before, which was when you're kind of checking in with somebody and you're building trust and Mm -hmm. you might refer to somebody uh, and see big changes with a different modality. Mm -hmm. We had a great case of that. We had a patient together that you had been seeing for a long time. I think you and Andy had been seeing for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you might have said to this person, hey, I'm just not sure how much further we're going to get with changes unless we can get this inflammation down. Mm -hmm. So let's just give you an opportunity to get a fresh pair of eyes on this and look at it through a different lens and let's just see what happens. And Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of heat and a lot of accumulation of fluid in that person. And so we did, I don't know how, how many weeks we did. We did we did a few handfuls of sessions of acupuncture and some really cooling, clearing formulas. Yes. Um, I think we used Tianwen Bu Shindan mm-hmm. for the Chinese medicine folk listening. And I remember this person's tongue completely changed. They had a really crimson red tongue, which is a sign of heat for us. Mm -hmm. And um, a week or two after that formula, their tongue was back to a really healthy pale pink. I was like, whoa, 
this is amazing. That's and cool. yeah, and then the next time that they come for body work, the feedback that you shared with me was that the, the tissue felt completely different mm-hmm. and that these new changes were able to be affected in the body. And I was like, mm-hmm. what a cool collaboration. I loved that so much. It was great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's the, yeah, something that I really love to do in, you know, with people that I treat that if I, if I just don't like treating and treating and treating for the sake of it without sort of seeing those changes, but, you know, having, you know, having a network of people around you that, you know, be like, well, we're not getting the change, well, we can't get the change, you know, that we, that we need because we need to address other areas. So having that sort of, that sort of network is, yeah, is pretty, mm. pretty special and just mm. leads to, to the best sort of outcomes really. Yeah. And great connections. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, how much do you consider, and maybe it's so outside of the scope that if you get a hint of it, that that referral would take place, but mm-hmm. how much do you feel that um, trauma or unresolved trauma in a person affects the tissues of the body? Massively, massively. Um, and, yeah, you're, you're right in terms of, well, first I would say how much, how much change we could get through um calming down the nervous system like really sort of just doing some really calming sort of changes and seeing if you know what sort of change we could we could get um there and if like sort of working with the tissue would sort of help with that um but otherwise yeah as you mentioned before getting um like collaborating and getting getting some getting a referral sort of um happening um there's someone i can i can think of like off the top of my head and where that needed to happen but sometimes the person's just not ready as well um which you know is you you know you just need to work with that person and do what you can and have those conversations and keep keep those channels open um but yeah a massive part mm-hmm. of of yeah body work and and you know stubborn tissues or tissues that just won't let go yeah component yeah stubborn tissues and tissues that won't let go mm-hmm. i mean and it's probably case by case but mm-hmm. do you ever so I bet I bet you've probably got intuition skills that are there when you're working with bodies because that's just what happens when you're connecting fields. Mm-hmm. But are there other are there other clues or signs that you might get that come up for you when you're engaging with someone's physicality that make you think, oh, I think there might be some deeper things going on here. And what what would those be? Yeah, absolutely. So it could be something as sort of obvious as like a a clenching or sort of a, a pulling away, um, having really big emotional outbursts on on the table as well, which is something that that can happen. And there's interestingly, there are certain sort of areas that you can work on that will give that sort of um, release. Jaw is a really big one for that. Um, mm. so really big emotional releases, but even just you know. Um, working up through suboccipitals and just sometimes even just just a really light touch 
and, you know, just having a really big release from that. Um, but, um, yeah, otherwise, um, tissues that, yeah, just aren't responding the way that you would expect from the amount of treatment that you give um, mm. is probably the 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 biggest or sort of like the the hardest one to sort of um put the pieces together as well because it's so there could be so many different contributing factors to it and after you've had you know some people aren't um you know might not even be aware that the the stress they're holding or the trauma that they're holding is is a a factor contributing to to their physical you know their their, their tissues um and you know a, a reason why we might, might not be getting sort of results um, or change, the change that we would want or the change that we would expect. Mm, yeah, I imagine there would be some pretty hot spots in the body. And as soon as you said, Joe, I was like, oh, of course, you know, of course, I'm thinking about how often I have people that come and say, I've got chronic jaw tension, I'm a teeth mm -hmm. grinder, and it doesn't take too much digging because I, I can do that in, in my mm -hmm. treatment space. It doesn't take much digging to find that they are holding so much in. Yeah. And my, my kind of understanding of teeth grinding at night is that's how the body processes uh, like a bank of emotions that haven't been able to be expressed during the day. <laughs> and so yes. it just, it just yes. gets processed or some of, the, some of it spills over into, into that, but it's all up here. It's all yeah. up here. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, and even sort of like down the arms as well, and you know, like right. like even it's always those sort of those lighter sort of touches. The more um, the subtle sort of treatments that I tend to in people that are sort of um, yeah, maybe holding a lot or their their body's not responding for for reasons of you know yeah trauma and things like that. That those really light subtle sort of touches um are sort of the the ones that that bring about that sort of response the little light touches in osteopathy i call like homeopathic yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're so powerful they truly are it's phenomenal so and that's actually an area that <clears throat> um i want to study further um, like in terms of, of osteo, like, a, you know, the, the craniosacral sort of um, and like BLT, like balanced ligamentous tension and those sort of more subtle sort of forms of treatment techniques is something that I, yeah, I, I just find absolutely um, fascinating and so effective. Yeah. Well, we mm -hmm. live in a culture where people really think that more is more. And that's why I love yin so much. You know, you've got to put in heaps of effort to get the reward. You've got to smash yourself at the gym. You've got to work really hard, long hours. And if you're not doing any of that, then there's a whole lot of dialogue that comes up. But, mm -hmm. but these really subtle but fully engaged practices like getting craniosacral therapy, which sort of just feel to me, my experience, I've had it once, feels a little bit like homeopathic Morse code being done in the back <laughs> of my sacrum. I'm like, <laughs> and really random, random, yeah. random movements, random frequency. I'm like, I'm not sure what this is, but yep. I'm here for it. And yep. feeling remarkable change. After, 
Yeah, wow. absolutely. And that's the thing that I love about it. And, yeah, while I'm not, um, yeah, um, I haven't learned that that technique yet in, in depth, but interesting example is I treated someone for the first time a few weeks ago and I was just really doing quite gentle, subtle work up around their suboccipitals and through their neck and even slightly a little bit sort of through their jaw and their temples, but really light, like very, very, very subtle. Um, and, you know, after the treatment it was, you know, we had a chat and went on and I saw them again a week and a half later and they were like, I didn't think you were doing anything on my head and neck but it has never moved like this before and it just feels completely different. And they were like, what, how? Like you heard, because <laughs> exactly like you said before, people expect this more is more. You know, you need to be getting your elbows in and really digging in there and really grinding and, you know, really sort of, um, you know, have no pain, no gain sort of sort of mentality where it's, it's really cool when you can have that connection with someone on the table and create that change and for them to be the person to be like, wait a minute, like mm. what, what what was that? <laughs> because it worked. Um, yeah, it's um, very cool. And such a defining moment too because I, I tend to notice diagnostically that the people that say you can massage harder if you like, Karina, really means I want you to dig in. I want to feel a lot. I like a hard, intense massage because it sort of matches the way I approach the world. And for for folks like that, because I've had a lot of folks like that in my yin yoga classes where you see them driving hard, you see them really going for the, the very edge of a sensation where you can see them squeezing their teeth together and there might be a light shaking going on. And then over time, you can hopefully coax them back and, and to know that like way back here where it's subtle is still phenomenally therapeutic and that you don't have to always approach the world with this more is more mentality. You can actually conserve a lot more of your chi and your nervous system and all those things that are chronically jacked for so many people and have the most extraordinary outcomes. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So in, in osteo, there's a, um, a technique called counter strain. I'm sure it's not just with osteo, but it's literally where you put the body into a position of no, no resistance. Like you find that the point of ease. Um, mm. So you, you go into all these different sort of, positions or you know like flex extend like what feels easier where does the body want to go and so you find this area of yet yeah, no no tension no strain and you hold mm. and then everything around it is much like you were saying before that that melt like that sort of that to to let it go which is just yeah mm. yeah perfect i mean we do something similar in yin where when you come out of a shape you have dedicated time where you are in an effortless position. Yep. And I was just saying this today because I did a workshop today. It's like my favorite thing about the rebound is that it's gently reinforcing the importance of stopping or pausing between big events so you can actually feel what's happened to you mm -hmm. and 
be in it rather than always in the next thing, always in the next thing and never actually pausing so you can change direction or noticing. Mm -hmm. That sounds like what you've just described too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Do you do that technique where I've heard people talk about it. I think it's an osteopathic practice where you're feeling above the body for thermal temperature. Are you aware of that? Where you can sort of note how far up off the body, like it might be five centimeters, might be 10 centimeters where you lose temperature or you might get like a cold spot. Is that something that you're familiar with? That's not something that I'm familiar with at all. Sounds mm. anyway. Yeah. Well, I, I did hear a, it was an acupuncture osteo yep. conversation that I heard and it was sort of just, mm. it, was, it was kind of giving um, acupuncturists some little extra tools, diagnostic tools that they could use where you could just be waving your hands over the body to check for where you've got like a cold spot or where the temperature goes high and just noticing what acupuncture points might level up the temperature. Ah, but also where where you might overtreat somebody and then the temperature drops too low and you've actually, you know, you're consuming too much or you've you overdid it. Yeah, Amazing. is there anything like that in osteo that you're aware of? Not that I'm aware of, and there abs- there's so many different like osteo, you know, like a lot of other. Um, modalities there's so many different ways that you can do it and there's so many different techniques and you know approaches um that they're very very well could be but it's not something that I've um yeah that I've sort of encountered or or I that I know sort of which sort of area of osteo do that it might be something because I know there is um like a sort of um technique looking at um what is that? Bio. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure. Like not bio sure. fields or something like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Something like that. Yeah. I imagine just with that idea of like rabbit holes that you can go down, mm-hmm. even just the craniosacral rabbit hole, you can, you can go down there and just go, go in that direction. And so much will open up. Open up. Absolutely, hundred percent. Like the yeah, like um, the the sort of two, um, not wings, but sort of there's a real structural or direct sort of school of osteo, or there's the indirect, which sort of has the you know is the umbrella for your your craniosacrals and your BLT and 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 things like that, your counter strain. So there's these two little two little camps. Um, yeah. Yeah, so sort of is is that where all the woo is? Is that where all the kind of quirky, left of field, interesting new research happens? Yeah, yeah, heaps of interesting new research, and it's it's really cool when you come across someone who enjoys and practices both, and finding you know having those parallels and being able to sort of offer, you know, you know those two very different but really. uh like beneficial like sort of using them in conjunction could do pretty Mm. phenomenal things Mm, gosh yes well i'm sure your toolkit is only going to get bigger and broader and what a gift it is to be able to engage with someone and have have so many different things that you could choose from to then bring bring to the space what's being called for 
bring bring what's required. That's the plan. Yes. Yeah. The learning never stops, you know. You and I have both been learning forever, which is, I love that. Um, So how can people connect with you if they want to come and see you for a session or engage with you on any platforms? Yep. So I'm not, look, I'm not particularly good at socials. It's it's on the plan to get better at that. Um, But what I can do is I can give you my details for, for the clinics that I work in um and yeah people can um and i can give you my my email address so that i'm contactable that way or yeah booking in online um at either of the clinics that i'm in amazing yeah so kendall's in melbourne so anyone who's in melbourne or drop dropping into melbourne i'll make sure that those um, contact details are in the show notes for today is there any um any last any last words that you might like to share or little tips for people in terms of taking good care of their body that we might not have talked about already that you want to probably because we've, we've covered covered a little bit but probably the biggest thing in conjunction with you know, the hydration the nutrition the body work and you know looking after yourself that way is movement i'm a huge advocate for movement and you know yeah lotion is lotion um and keeping thing keeping things moving um and flowing is is probably um up there with with them you know the um biggest sort of topic that i discuss with people um Mm. just regular movement and that doesn't have to be you know like a you know big heavy weights or anything like that just movement movement every day Mm. So just find what works for you and make sure you move your body. That's it. Yeah, that's that's probably the key, finding what works for you, finding what feels good. Great. Yeah. Amazing. Well, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much you. for this chat, this um, chat that we've been waiting to have for so long. I'm so glad <laughs> we've finally been able to do it. Yes. And um, I will see you soon. And yes. thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in today. I'll see you later. Thank you. Bye.